Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Matt Golf, welcome to the Center of the Universe, man. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate y'all having me. I guess I should mention that uh, you and I connected through your sister, who I work with. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and she told me that uh, you were the man to see uh, for college uh, sports tickets. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I can uh, I can help people. You know, when you're in this business long enough, you build enough relationships, and uh, you know, when you scratch someone's back, they'll you get to scratch theirs, and vice versa. And um, yeah, it's it's a great industry. Yeah, I want to be clear of my comment. I meant your sister can get tickets from you just about any time. I didn't mean uh, Kevin <laughs> or me. No, yeah, she. Uh, She's never um, one to uh, not lean on me when she knows that uh, she needs a favor. Yeah, she was very excited to tell me uh, the day of the Dayton VCU game in Richmond that you got her tickets, like last minute kind of thing. And the next day she was very disappointed to tell me that Dayton beat VCU pretty badly. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's funny. Um, you know, early on in my career I worked um, at – American and at the Naval Academy and ironically VCU kept coming up in in different things and so uh was able to help her out with a few different VCU sporting events. Nice. That's that's uh, really cool to, to be you and to be her for that matter. All right, cool. So let's start with uh what you're doing today. Yeah, so today I'm a I'm a major gift fundraiser at Virginia Tech in the athletic department. Um primarily responsible for Donors at the $100,000 and up level, um, been here for about four years now. Um, and my territory, if you will, is from Baltimore to Fredericksburg, um, trying to get in front of as many Hokies as possible or parents of Hokies or just fans in general. Um, Hokie Nation is uh, is very large and, and proud. And uh, so I don't, you know, I don't just work with alums, I work with everybody. So walk, walk me through a uh, typical week, and I don't mean to limit you to a week because I imagine some of your efforts take uh, a few weeks, if not a few months. But walk me through a typical week. Yeah, uh, typical typical week. You know, now that I've been having this conversation with uh, with folks more often, it's it's easier to to bring about into a, a sentence or, or a paragraph. You know, I'm I'm usually prepping for a trip or recapping a trip. Um, so, you know, preparation is, Hey, all right, I'm, I'm two weeks out or a week out, uh, finalizing all the logistics of the visits. How many people am I going to see? Um, what do I want to accomplish in all those visits? Um, do I need to bring anything with me? Do I have documents that need to be signed for people that have gift agreements? Do I need to make reservations? Do I need to make sure hotels are solidified? Do I need to, um, you know, research, uh, figure out a little bit more information about somebody. Uh, and then, like I said, on the back end of things, uh, we have a lot of data analytics. So I'm always putting things into databases, recapping trips, uh, working with our gift processing office. If I have any sort of checks or gift agreements, um, and it's, it's really a cycle of, of that, you know, getting ready and, and recapping. All right. So let's say you, you've got somebody that maybe has given uh, more than $100,000 to the university in the past, uh, but you've never talked to them. What, what is that process like from the time you initially reach out to the time they actually give? Though, you know, those timelines are are anywhere from, you know, sometimes you can have somebody that 
knows right away, hey, listen, tax tax guy told me I need to get rid of 100,000. I uh, love Virginia Tech and, and here's the guy that I know I need to contact. And, um, you know, those conversations are really more information gathering. Hey, you know, where do you want to have an impact? Uh, what's the timing of this? What's the vehicle that you're using to make the contribution? Is it an IRA? Is it a donor advised fund? Is it a cash gift? Are you transferring shares of securities? Um, but then you also have the ones where, you know, it could be a three, five, 10 year process of building a relationship with somebody and, you know, getting their feet wet with a $1,500 gift first or a $2,500 gift and um, letting somebody come and, and see campus and, uh, you know, whether it's season tickets or they have a kid that just started at Virginia Tech and their first experience is coming down and meeting with somebody and, hey, you know, I'm, I, I don't see myself as a $100,000 donor. Um, okay, well, let's let's figure out where you're at now, where you're comfortable donating and, and where do you want to make an impact with that money? And, um, yeah, and, and it could be a 10-year process of relationships and um, getting them to understand what their impact could have at the university. So if you're talking to somebody and they say, hey, uh, I want to make sure this, I'm making this up, the science department has all the lab equipment they need or, or they can improve their lab equipment. Does that funnel through you or do you divert that to somebody else? So most fundraising shops are set up in a way where you have a general advancement umbrella and the College of Business, the College of Science, College of Engineering, they all have their own fundraising shops along with athletics. Um, you know, I'm, I'm never one to turn somebody away and say, hey, you know, let me connect you with someone else, a colleague across campus. Um but I have great relationships across campus and I work with folks at different colleges and universities. And, um, you know, one example I can think of fresh on, on my brain is, uh, you know, I had somebody that I work with who, um, wanted to make an impact with the vet school. Uh, and so I connected them with a colleague in the vet school and said, Hey, listen, here's somebody you need to meet with. They're better educated to provide you all the information you need. I, I have enough information to, you know, have that conversation initially. But if you want to go down that path, here's somebody that can help you do that. So Matt, what, what's the one skill that someone would need to be successful in the role that, that you play? I think ultimately it's a relationship business. Um, the ability to build genuine relationships. I think uh, over time I've realized the folks that you can see through uh, and the ones who are true, um, you know, someone that really, genuinely cares about people and connecting best interests. Um, I think that's the, the skill that's one that you can't buy, you can't fake. Um, and I think it leads to the most success in this, in this industry. Sorry, I was going to say a quick follow-up and, and thanks for that answer. Um, a, a more important question is how are these alumni currently feeling about the state of the football program? Oh, yeah. currently, uh, there is a huge sense of optimism right now. Um, you know, there is a, a couple decades of um, incredible success here that um, I don't know if we'll ever get to that again. Um, you know, the future of college football is is as unpredictable as anything right now. But uh, the fact that we brought in an incredible new head coach um, who is ready to roll, bringing in the right kids, uh, has hired an incredible staff. I think everyone has a sense of optimism and, 
uh, I joke around, you know, if you were going to look at a schedule um, as a head coach coming in as your first job and saw what we had this year, you have to be excited about the ability to win some football games. You know, we have we have two road games that are uh, ODU and Liberty that uh, that, you know, are winnable games for us. I'm not trying to say that the, those two teams can't beat us, but, um, you know, for those to be two of your road games, um, I think you should be excited to maybe win eight, nine this year. Yeah, we, we've had a, I appreciate your optimistic answer there. Kevin may have been trying to bait you into languishing in the past, maybe. Uh, yeah, <laughs> ODU, somebody on the, on the podcast who was actually a fifth-year senior at ODU when ODU beat Tech. Uh, and so, yeah, ODU could be tech. It's highly unlikely. Liberty, I, I don't know, man. Their program has become pretty daggone good. They have yeah. they've invested well, and it, it's been paying off. Yeah, it, uh, it goes to show you that when you put money behind something that is important to you, uh, how quickly you can find success. Very cool. All right, let's go back to the beginning. Where did you grow up, Matt? Uh, born and raised in Fairfax. Um, went to Robinson High School. Uh Really, only moved once from a from a townhouse to a single family, and uh, actually, this is probably a longer story. But um, switched districts uh, from when we left the one house to the other, but stayed at Robinson. Stayed at Robinson because you wanted to continue playing sports there, hanging out with your friends, etc. Absolutely, yeah. And and Meredith, my older sister, um, she was already in high school at the time of the move, uh, so the plan was to get her to graduate and then. Uh, most people listening probably don't know this, but uh, Robinson's a seven through 12 school. They call it a secondary school. So middle school and high school are the same building. Um, so I happened to be in middle school at the time and wanted to stay there as well. And it wasn't a big deal for you to stay? Uh, they uh, So Robinson at the time was one of the few schools in the area that had an interbaccalaureate program for people to take classes that were uh, – this was kind of pre-AP, where everyone's kind of jumped on the AP wagon for college uh, credit. Um, but that was one of the few reasons why I wanted to stay. Did you finish the IB program? I did not. Um, hard, it was, right? It was very, very difficult. Um, you know, one of the things that allowed me to stay was football. That's cool. All right, so let's talk about sports you played growing up. What, what were you doing when you were like eight, nine years old? Uh, everything, to be honest, I, I joke around. My son's almost six now. You know, some of my best memories were getting in my mom's minivan and and switching from my shin guards and soccer outfit and racing in my mom's minivan to a baseball game. Um, so I was playing, you know, two and three sports a season, indoor soccer. I tried the cross a little bit. I wrestled, um, and then obviously football uh, and baseball. Um, baseball was year round, soccer was year round. Um, and then when I got into high school, uh, played football in the fall. I wrestled for three years. My fourth year, I ran indoor track and then played soccer for all four years as well. So you were eating, sleeping, going to school and playing sports? Uh, basically, yeah. And, and that's what kept me out of trouble. Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, that's all I wanted to do. Um, and all of my best friends to this day were people I competed with and played with. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to go play sports in college. Uh, and in my wedding, four of my groomsmen were teammates of mine at James Madison. Yeah, that's really cool. Let's go back to when you were eight or nine. What was your favorite sport then? You got to pick one. Uh, 
Uh, if I had to pick one, I would probably say soccer. And probably to this day, soccer is still my favorite sport to play. Uh, I still mess around in, in rec leagues. Um, for me, it, it just felt like the most natural sport. Um, and then football really didn't come on. My mom didn't want me playing much. Uh, I played, I think, sixth and seventh, eighth, and then uh, obviously freshman through senior year. What, what is it about soccer? Or what was it about soccer? I think it's just the fluidity of the sport. Um, you know, in football, you're you're really doing five, six, seven second bursts. Um, but to have a sport where it's just nonstop movement. Uh, for me, I was a bouncing off the wall kid. Um, you know, for me, baseball was one of those sports that was the more frustrating one because I always played outfield and it was like, all right, what's, you know, when am I going to actually start moving around? Um and that was actually a hard decision for me in high school was to choose between baseball and soccer. But, um, yeah, soccer for me, just the, just the constant action. Um, and there's no real, there's no real break. Like in lacrosse, you know, you're on attacker, you're on D, you know, I actually played everywhere all over the field and there's never a position on the field other than goalie that you're not in an opportunity to score. Yeah, uh, I do like the fluidity of soccer. As a guy that did not grow up watching or playing soccer, the scoring seems low to me. Yeah, yeah. Most people, uh, I, the, I always go back to the Brazilian, the Hoga Bonita. Like, it's a beautiful sport if you understand the the interchanges throughout the process of the game, and not just the end result of a goal. Yeah, there's a lot more to it than just goal scoring, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's funny you say that, though. But they told my son, my oldest son played soccer for a couple of years, and and I had no, I, I didn't grow up playing in soccer either. Um, I say either because I don't think Gilman did. Um, but they said that the kids, you can tell they, they know what they're doing when they start passing backwards. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And, and I was, I, I had no idea what that meant until obviously about. I started watching it more and seeing how the, you know, the strategy and it was pretty cool. It's, it's pretty cool to it's, watch. It's very similar to a very knowledgeable point guard who knows when to slow up a fast break. Um, you know, it's the, the best route to scoring isn't always attacking the basket. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah there, there, cool. There's spacing, there's 360 degree awareness and understanding and anticipation and all that. Yeah. It takes quite a bit of skill to be really good at it. For sure. Cool. All right. So high school, uh, you, you played football and what position did you play in football? Uh, in football, I was a quarterback, uh, but I also, because of soccer, I punted and kicked as well. Uh, were you a running quarterback, a passing quarterback or both? Yeah. So at Robinson, we ran the wing tee. Uh, oh, I probably nice. averaged, I probably averaged four, four or five passes a game. I think my junior year, I was 1500 passing 500 running, about the same senior year. Did you want to pass more? Uh, you know, I didn't really care. I just wanted to win games. Uh, okay. So if that meant me pulling the ball from the running back and going to score, that's what I wanted to do. So for our casual listening audience that may not know the wing tee, wing tee is essentially what Navy and Army run, right? Correct. Yeah, the triple option, right? So you, your first option is fullback. Your second option is keeping. And your third option is pitching the ball. Are there exceptions to that besides the passing plays? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, 
every play has a different scheme where, you know, you've got a zone read where you're really just fullback and you reading a tackle. Um, you know, there's dives, there's all sorts of different things that, uh, that come into play. Um, you know, Navy and army for, for their, the way they have to recruit their kids, that offensive scheme is the best way to be successful. Um, being undersized, being quick. Um, and, and I actually worked at the Naval Academy for four years. Um, they had a lot of success. Uh, in fact, we're ranked in the top 25 multiple times, almost made it to a, a group of five or a, uh, sorry, a New Year's Six game. Um, so it's, it's, it's doable. It's possible to succeed. Um, but it, it's typically an offense that is really for disciplined teams, for offensive linemen that are undersized and athletic um, and having a quarterback that's able to, you know, get out on the edge and, and make people miss. Yeah, the Navy and Army are not typically recruiting six foot seven, 340 pound guys. Uh, their quarterbacks are not six four, can throw 70 yards down the field. Um, yeah, they, so they do what they have to do. And actually, I have an appreciation for that uh, style, but, but I'm also a former Army guy. So when they play, I'm like, every play matters. And I'm, I'm rooting for Army every time. My brother-in-law went to Navy, so, yeah. so, so speak, I definitely watch the game every year. Speaking of Army and six foot seven, uh, Alejandro Villanueva was a wide receiver at Army who ended up being a six foot seven left tackle. Yeah, I, I think he might be six eight or six nine. He's a giant guy. Yeah, yeah, he's had some incredible success as well. Yeah, he, he was. I mean, he's got a pretty nice highlight reel uh, from playing at Army, and he actually has deployed three times as a Ranger. Yeah. I mean, the guy's a stud. For sure. Yeah. Uh, do you know him personally? Not personally, no. But I, I, I followed him. Um, he was, he was an athlete, student athlete, when I was working at the Naval Academy. So I've been tuned in on his career ever since. Yeah, and, and the best part about him is I think he's a great guy too. He's just a really absolutely. Solid. Yeah, cool. All right, so wing T in high school, uh, but you punted and kicked. I wish I told my son, let's work on punting from the age of like four. I think it may be the best position in all pro sports. It is. Uh, it is one where you don't have to uh, to worry about anything other than snap, catch, kick, uh, which is great um, for somebody that went from touching the ball every play. It was a, fr a frustrating position to play in college, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely something. If somebody loves the sport of football and doesn't want to deal with concussions and injuries and all of that chaos, uh, you can you can have an incredible career uh, as a specialist. Yeah, I mean, if if you catch the ball consistently, you kick it consistently, you get I don't know four and a half second of hang time. And you're kicking around 44 to 46 yards, you can make a bunch of money, right? Yeah, the word consistently is the biggest one there. Uh, ask anyone that thinks they can take up golf and uh, and make it on a PGA tour. Uh, it, it is the the difference between great and incredible is, uh, I mean, the size of a universe. There are very few people that can do it at a high level um, consistently. Uh, and it's funny, you know, the, the normal fan sits and watch a guy shank one in a game and, and you, you laugh to yourself, how, how the hell did this guy get a, get a career kicking a ball and make all this money in the NFL? Um, 
but that one miss doesn't account for the 1,000 incredible punts that he's that he's hit before that. Yeah, you just described me. I'm, I'm the one laughing at the guy who just shanked it out of bounds after it went 12 yards past him. <laughs> But I shouldn't. It's great well, hey, perspective. Yeah. Like it, it's not. It, it can't be that easy to to do what I described. Ninety eight percent of the time, it can't be that easy. Yeah, I, I thought I was a decent punter in college, um, and then I went and worked for the Detroit Lions, and there was guys trying out that I watched, and I mean, the difference between those guys and me was exponential. Um, they're just. They more hang time, further distance, the leg speeds night and day. And it, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Did you, Matt, did you place kick at JMU? I did a lot of everything at JMU. Uh, one of my favorite lines that I use often, uh, one of my coaches said, Hey, Matt, you're a jack of all trades and a master of none. Um, you know, I, I, uh, <laughs> I long, I long snapped in a, in an entire spring ball. I came in. I came in as a quarterback, right? But I, uh, my coach, ironically, who's now here at Virginia Tech, um, he recruited me and said, "Hey, listen, you can play offense, you can play defense, wide receiver, safety." Um, so I played wide out my first year. Uh, thought that was going to be what I played for all five. Um, ended up moving to safety my second year. Uh, played free my second and third year, and then the starting punter. Uh, graduated and they asked if, uh, you know, if I'd be willing to compete for that job and I just wanted to get on the field. So I punted and I held for field goals. Um, but those first three years I was on basically every special team. So I did kickoff team, kickoff return, punt, punt return, um, hands team, uh, you name it. I did it. I think the only two positions I never played, like legitimately played were O-line and D-line. We, wow. and, and it's funny. Think, talk about we talk about pressure on a kicker. One of the most famous kickers whose still name, you know, is Scott Norwood from JMU. Yeah, JMU, right? From this, he's famous, he's famous for guy. the wrong reason. <laughs> yeah, one of the best kickers you could see out here, and he went missed one field goal, and <laughs> he's poor guy. Yeah, it doesn't Man. help that you're a part of a team that loses four straight Super Bowls either. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. If he'd have yeah, made we, that first field goal, maybe they'd have won four in a row. Who knows? You might be right. Oh, that was the first one, the first of the four, right? Against the Giants. Is that it the one the he missed? One, yeah. On? Yeah. yeah, that's a bummer. Yep. Wait a minute. So you you played yep. like linebacker times? Yeah. So I, it's funny. I I came into JMU as a hundred and seventy pound quarterback, and I left as a two hundred and ten pound punter. But throughout that time. When I put on all that weight, yeah, they were, they were putting me everywhere. Wow. Uh, how tall are six you? 6'1". Six, say it again. 6'1". Okay. So not giant. No, no. And, and our starting linebackers, who were phenomenal, were all probably 6'1 or under. We had a couple that were under 6 feet. Uh, is JMU – JMU's had some success with kids going to the NFL. I mean, they're, they're – like they're scary for Division One teams to play, especially the last what ten years or so. Yeah, so in '04 uh, we won the national championship right before I got there, um, and a couple of guys on that roster, some that had overlapped with me, had played in the NFL. Um, Arthur Motes, who played for the Steelers and the Bills, uh, was he was actually a freshman with me. We came in the same class. Um, 
And there's been a, a probably at least half dozen that were there while I was there, as I was leaving that have played, um, including a guy who, speaking of coming in as a, as a one position and leaving as another, um, Josh Wells, who I think is in his ninth season in the NFL now as, a, as an offensive lineman, he was a high school quarterback and was about um, 6'4", 6'5", uh, about 215 pounds as a high school quarterback. And he graduated as a 310 pound left tackle uh, and has had an incredible career. Just got a Super Bowl ring last year with the Bucks. Um, so yeah, JMU's put out quite a few kids in the last decade, and I would assume that's going to continue to grow now that they're making the move uh, to the Sun Belt. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Josh Wells' name. My kids go to the same high school Josh went to. Oh, Hanover. Yeah, so that's that's where we live, and uh, I remember watching Josh as a high school senior. I'm like, that's a really tall quarterback. He's kind of big too. Yeah, yeah. And, and he came in, and, and right away they knew his frame could probably put on a little weight. And so they said, hey, let's let's look at tight end. And he just kept putting on weight and still kind of maintaining that athleticism. And it was like, all right, well, if your footwork's going to be like this and your frame can hold a little more, um, let's keep it moving. And uh, we're still we're still friends now. Uh, my brother and sister-in-law live down in Jacksonville, and uh, my sister-in-law and, and his wife are, are really good friends. And so – it's just fun to watch his journey. No, it's really cool. And it's funny, you, you mentioned Super Bowl uh, victory, and I'm not making this up. I'm a Tampa Bay fan. And uh, one of the starting linemen in the, the playoff run that year was uh, Aaron Stinney, who also went yeah. to JMU. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny to see all those connections. And then connections with me currently, there's a lot of uh, Hokies on that coaching staff as well, including Bruce. Um so it's uh, it's kind of funny to I was I was really rooting for them to win that game for a lot of reasons JMU and, and Virginia Tech. Well, and Arians was a quarterback uh, tech back in the mid seventies, right? He was also ran the wing tee. <laughs> yeah, I guess Tech ran the wing tee for a really long time. Yeah, no doubt. Maybe up until Beamer's time. Yeah, yeah, because I'm pretty <laughs> sure Dooley before Beamer was probably running the wing tee too. Sorry. I'm- I'm showing my. I remember, I remember watching uh, my my boss. Now um, he was on the Peach Bowl team, and uh, they definitely did a lot of double wing stuff. Not necessarily what you see with Navy and Army, but um, ball was on the ground a lot. Yeah. Wow. All right. So, what's your fondest memory playing football at JMU? Uh, the 08 season in general was just uh, an incredible experience. I, I personally think that was one of the best teams that JMU has ever had. Now, granted, they've won in 04, and I think they won again in 16. Um, but, uh, you know, we we had a punt return for a touchdown to win the game against Richmond at Richmond. Um, time was expiring. They punted to a kid who had already – I think he had led – FCS and in kick return touchdowns that season and they still kicked him the ball with literally time running out on the clock and he housed it. Uh, we had a ball a Hail Mary against Villanova that had been tipped up into the back of the end zone that we caught. Um, I think the 08 season was also the season where App State came to town and we were down 21 zip at halftime and came back to beat them 35 32 um so there were just so many incredible experiences that season that were just uh, a lot of fun to be a part of yeah i need to apologize i said uh they've been nationally competitive for 10 years i meant to say 2025 years i think yeah uh, it's it's uh it's been fun to be a to be an alum and to watch the success they've had you know 
you get spoiled as tech did the last few decades, right? Where you wake up and your expectation is to win 10, 11 games and in FCS, right? You're going to make the playoffs. You're going to make a run to the title. And um, I think in the last five seasons, they've either lost in the semi or lost in the final other than winning it in 06. So it's, uh, it's been a fun ride. Yeah. Uh, where were you when uh, JMU beat tech? Uh, on the field playing. That's crazy, right? Yeah. That, yeah, that, that, uh, that has to be the biggest win in JMU's history. I, I think, um, you know, the talking heads on ESPN have put that in the top five all-time college football upsets. I mean, that that, that Virginia Tech team with Tyrod at quarterback, uh, people, you guys might remember this, they, after losing to Boise on Monday night, had to play us on a short week in the rain at home, completely unmotivated. Uh, lost to us and then rattled off 10 in a row, won the ACC championship and went to the Orange Bowl. I mean, that team was really good. Yeah, I was going to say, they had a great season. It just it didn't start out so great. Exactly. And, I mean, I think the Boise game was a one possession, probably could have won, and yeah. they probably would have went undefeated, yeah. been in the mix for a lot of things that season. So how, how close to the uh, – and I know your your work today is for all sports, I assume. Yes, yeah, uh, but are you close to any of the teams? Uh, so they assign us to uh, specific teams to be a fundraising liaison for, um, and my two sports are track and cross country and then uh, men's golf, uh, and our track program just won. It's the first program in, in NCAA history to host indoors and have your men's and women's team both win. Uh, wow. So it's a, I think they have 19 ACC titles Uh which is, I mean, it's probably one of our better programs from a consistency of success standpoint. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, we we uh, we qualified thirteen student athletes for NCAA's, uh, and of those thirteen, I think three or four are the number one team, one number one times in uh, NCAA right now. So, so you're saying, you're, you're, sorry, you're saying indoor track, or are you saying track? Indoor, indoor, yeah, indoor track. I interrupted you. Sorry, Matt. No, you're fine. Uh, so it's funny. I'm really good friend of the family. Uh, he and his wife have their oldest son it has been offered a, a track scholarship to go to Virginia Tech. And he just finished uh, indoor states. And I think he set the meet record, the, basically the state record for a couple of mid distances. And then I think he's got like five school records for Hanover High School. Uh, and he's coming to Tech, and he's I think he's, like, faster than about half the kids running those distances. Yeah, that's awesome. I would consider our last 20 years of success at Virginia Tech, a lot of it has been mid-distance related. Um, in fact, our distance penalty relay two years ago won the NCAA National Championship. Uh, our girls are seated in the top five in NCAAs. Our 800 runners the number one time in the country right now. Um so it's a uh, it's a fun it's a fun time to to kind of to your to your kids point uh, it's a fun time to be a part of Virginia Tech indoor outdoor track and cross country. I'm not even sure he knows the the history. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it's fun to fundraise for this program because uh, you know there is a, a lineage of success. Uh, what what you said golf as well is how's the golf team doing? 
Uh, golf is off to a hot start this year. Um, just finished a tournament down in Puerto Rico. I think they finished sixth. Um, got a couple kids that are consistently shooting under par and, uh, it's a weird, it's a weird sport when you think about it. Uh, you know, you take five kids and you take the best four scores, um, and it's over a multiple day tournament. So you want all your kids to be clicking at the same time. And I think right now, um, coaches, coach Sharp, Brian Sharp, he, uh, he really wants to just find that rotation that's going to get consistent results. Um, and he's doing a lot of the, the, the groundwork right now to get those kids in, in position to be successful. And these kids are traveling qu- quite a bit, uh, right? They travel as much as, say, the, the baseball or basketball teams do, right? Yeah, I think baseball, uh, just from a number of days competing and the travel, probably has the worst class competition balance. Um, but golf is definitely one of those ones that's on the road a lot. Like I said, we were just in Puerto Rico. Um, so it's, uh, it's definitely a difficult task to be a student athlete in those sports. Hey, Matt, another uh, a hard hitting uh, journalistic question for you. Um, where do you like to stand or hang out when uh, inner Sandman happens? Uh, it really doesn't matter. Every single time it happens, uh, never gets old. The hair on the back of my neck stands up. Um, it's definitely one of the best entrances in all of sports, uh, if I'm being honest. Oh, it's the best. It's yeah, the best. I'm not even. It's it's the yeah. best. Look, I I went to UVA. I grew up. I won't hold that against you. Yeah, well, I grew up a tech fan because my dad went to tech, and now my son goes to tech, <laughs> and I can tr- try to be as objective as possible. It's it's the best entrance in football. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those things. I know a lot of people that have it on a bucket list, and I would say it's a, it's up there with going to Augusta and like all these things. It's it's pretty special. Yeah, it's really cool. All right, so. Uh, in college, your fondest memory that had nothing to do with sports? Uh, I mean, my wife. Uh, we, we have known each other since seventh grade, but we started officially dating our freshman year of college together at JMU. Um, and I wouldn't be sitting here uh, if it wasn't for her. So that's definitely the fondest memory. Yeah, you said that very sincerely, and I know you meant that. It's also a safe thing to say because your wife. <laughs> cool. I, I mean, I mean, all, a, a lot of my best friends came from from all of the experiences at JMU. I mean, it's it's always going to be a special place. And for me, going up and down 81 for work, you know, getting to pass through there and go to some of the places that we ate at. And, uh, you know, I sent my wife a picture of our favorite breakfast spot last week when I traveled up to Northern Virginia. And she was a little salty about it. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's just a it's a great place. It's very similar to Virginia Tech in a lot of ways. Were you were you playing golf um, back when you were in college? No, it's funny. Uh, I have fallen in love with that sport. Uh, you know, being somebody that competed my entire life, I never really had time to to go and play what I would consider as like a hobby sport. Um, now I wish I had started playing when I was a kid. My son loves playing right now, and he's like I said, almost six. Uh, I didn't really start playing seriously and like trying to score until about I don't know six years ago. Um, but yeah, any any chance I get now, I try to get out and play because it's uh, it is the most humbling and exciting and uh, difficult sport you could possibly play. Some of our favorite places to play are right up there in Harrisonburg. Um, 
some great courses, mountain courses up there near JMU that are <laughs> quite challenging. They are very tough. And uh, if you all make a trip down to Blacksburg, I would love to take you out to the Pete Dye River course, which is an incredible uh, track down here. And, and the Blacksburg Country Club, which we belong to, is another incredible place to play. Well, Matt, sadly for you, we may take you up on that because Rob and I send money and ourselves uh, to Blacksburg to see our kids. Uh, and Kevin is a uh, kind of a golf fanatic. And Rob actually, Silent Rob, played in college. So, Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I'm by far the worst of the three of us. <laughs> I'll try to, I'll try to uh, try to beat you to that title. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you're going to have to play really badly to beat me. <laughs> All right, so after JMU, uh, when you went into JMU, what did you think you were going to do after college? And then what uh, you doing right, right after college? To be honest, it, it was a new experience. Uh, neither of my parents really went. I, my mom went to community college for a little while, but um, and, and my sister was at VCU at the time. She was more of the kind of – she was very athletic, but more of the artsy. And uh, for me, I didn't know what I wanted, whether I wanted to get into business or – uh, sports was really all I knew. So, um, it's funny. I, I went to orientation with my wife and her mom was looking at the catalog of, of majors. And I went and sat in on a physical therapy, uh, class and I was kind of listening and I was like, man, there's a lot of bio and science and stuff that wasn't really interesting to me. And she was like, Hey, have you thought about this sports management track? It sounds right up your alley. Um, and so the rest was history. I, I sat down with my advisor, my freshman year, as all student athletes have to do, and I was like, hey, listen, I'm going to be here for five years, so let's get this done in three years. Let me get my master's in athletic administration, uh, take advantage of the time at JMU, um, and so I was able to do both of those things, uh, finished my grad degree right as my eligibility ended in December of my, my fifth year. You had your uh, act together as a freshman. I, I was not – I mean, I'm 53. I still don't have my act together like that. Uh, it's funny <laughs> – I, I, my, my wife makes fun of me. I, I love school. Um, I don't know if it's a social thing or, or just a learning thing. Um, you know, I, I looked at doing the PhD program at JMU. They wanted us to work a little bit first. Uh, so if I ever you know, found my way back to JMU, I'd probably go for the, the third degree there. Um, and then I looked at it here, but it was a seven year program. And I talked about trying to condense it and I didn't know if I was going to be here for seven years. Um, you know, hindsight's always 2020. I've been here for four now and I'm like, ah, could have been halfway through it. Um, but, uh, it's definitely something that I'll, I'll be a constant learner. Um, always reading podcasts, uh, education has always been important to me. And, and that started at an early age. Well, if you ask my mom, not too early, uh, so somewhere along the line of, uh, a flip switched, but, um, yeah, so, something it. clicked for you at some point. Yeah, very cool. Uh, what was your first job out of uh, school? So I had two back-to-back -back internships. Uh, really incredible opportunities. I went um, and worked at the NCAA national office in a really competitive program. It's the NCAA postgrad internship. And I did that in the leadership development unit. Uh, so I did a lot of educational programming for student athletes, coaches, and administrators. Uh, I always tell people that the proverbial green curtain of college athletics was lifted at that time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you didn't just have to be a coach or a trainer. You could work in 
communications, you could work in marketing, you could work in fundraising. Um, it was a great opportunity for me to meet a lot of people and get my feet wet in the field of college athletics. Uh, and then I actually went after that and did a full season internship at the Detroit Lions. So I moved out to Detroit and did an operations and player development uh, internship with them. And uh, that was the year that Calvin broke the receiving record. Um, you know, so I was rooting for the Rams this year. I uh, really wanted Matthew to get a uh, to get a ring, and that was fun to watch. Uh, and that was also a great opportunity. And then uh, I landed my first college athletics job uh, at American University in Northwest DC. All right. So before we go to American, your first name is the same as Stafford's. Your last name is the same as Jared's. Uh, <laughs> I, I, wish I, I wish I was. I wish I was a, a, an ounce as good as either of those two guys. No, I, I understand. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I felt happy for Stafford because, I mean, he was a – I think he still, to some degree, is a loyal lion. Like, he, I think it hurt his heart a little bit to leave Detroit, knowing that he was probably never going to win a Super Bowl there. So, I was happy to see him get a chance, even though he beat my Bucks in the playoffs this year. Uh, and I felt, I felt bad for Jared, man. I'm like, I don't know when you're going to leave Detroit because I don't, I don't think any quarterback in my lifetime is going to win a Super Bowl in Detroit. No, no, I don't think I don't think that'll ever happen. Uh, if you weren't going to be able to do it with one of the best receivers to ever play the game, it's going to be pretty difficult. Megatron, you got to see Megatron up close. Yeah, I'll tell you my favorite story from that experience. Um, so I was standing in our practice facility uh, underneath the upright. Um, the quick side story: we used to run film to the film crew in the facility, so you take a net from the video camera and run it. Um, but anyways, I'm standing behind the end zone and I see Stafford let go of a ball. And I'm like, that might be halfway through the upright. Like where the hell is he throwing that? And I'm telling you, Calvin Johnson jumped out of the entire building and snagged the ball on five yards above the upright and brought it down. And I, I was blown away at that moment. I'm like, this dude is not a human being. Yeah, and I can't believe he went to Georgia Tech for yeah. college. Crazy, right? And, and I don't know if you know the backstory. Um, Sean McVay uh, beat Calvin Johnson out for player of the state of Georgia. I think that it's part of one. I think it's part of Calvin's uh, documentary or thirty. Yeah, yeah. Sean McVay beat him out as the best player in the state of Georgia that year. Sean McVay apparently was a, a very good uh, high school yeah. player, but I'm sorry, he's not Megatron. Even at the high school levels. I, mean, I, I don't know how those uh, things are decided, but it seems a little wrong that Megatron didn't win that. That's probably why he ended up at Georgia Tech, though. But yeah, he also has, he has incredible parents that wanted him to go get a really good education as well, which speaks volumes. Yeah, and look, I mean, yeah. I, I played football through uh, high school, and, and uh, I imagine you had a couple of concussions. I had a couple of concussions. Uh, the 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 CTE concern is, is a real one. And uh, Calvin retired at the age of 30. And I, I applaud yeah. him uh, for doing that. Even, even though I love, I love playing football, I love watching football even to this day. I, I, I get what, what he did. Agreed. Even though I wanted to watch him play for five more years because he was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, but he'd still be about that. He would be. Think about that for Lions fans, though. You had – probably the greatest running back ever in Barry Sanders retire early. Cause he just knew they weren't ever going to win. Then you have Calvin Johnson retire early knowing they're never going to win. And then Stafford 
leaves and goes to LA and wins the Super Bowl the first year. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a Chargers fan and I feel bad for Lions fans. For sure. Or, all right, uh, Matt, you don't know this, but Kevin's limited to one uh, San Diego – or, sorry, L.A. Charger uh, reference per episode. So, Kevin, you're done for the rest of the <laughs> So, season. he got it. He got it in. He definitely got it in. He, he tends to get it in every time. All right, so after Detroit, where would you end up? You yeah, American, American, so American, what was it? Yeah. I took a, an annual fundraising job at American University. It was a great opportunity to get my feet wet. I, I had actually interned with that group. Um, a buddy of mine had played soccer there and he connected me with some staff members and um, great people, great university. Uh, for me, it was, it was hard not to be around football, um, but it was, uh, it was an incredible experience. Um, in a small shop like that, I tell a lot of people who are asking me about getting into the industry, you know, what do you, what do you recommend? I recommend diving straight into an opportunity where you have to wear 30 hats. You have to figure out how to do what every other school is doing with half the resources, with half the manpower. Um, so I, you know, I was licking envelopes. I was setting up tables, chair. I mean, you name it, I was doing it. Um, and it was, a it was an incredible experience. Yeah, I think American is a is a jewel and not a lot of people, even in my part of the world uh, where Kevin, Rob and I live in Richmond, Virginia, not a lot of people know about American. Yeah. And, and I got an opportunity to be there during an incredible run. Um, they made the NCAA tournament. I think it was their third time ever. Um, and so, you know, being there for something like that, where you're on the top of, you know, what their podium sort of looks like, um, you know, to win the Patriot League and to go to the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, I got to go to Milwaukee and, and Wisconsin came and played us. And it was a tight game until halftime. Uh, but they had uh, Kaminsky, I think was his name, the big man at Wisconsin and a couple other shooters. Um, so it was a tough team to try to go up against, especially in the state of Wisconsin. So you did fundraising in American. Was that something you had your eye on well before going to American that you wanted to it's, ultimately get into that? It's ironic that you asked that. When I sat down at the interview, um, I had interned there in marketing. And so I interviewed for a marketing position. And after I finished the interview, um, I got a call back maybe the day or two days after. And it, it was, uh, it was you know, my boss at the time or the, the guy I was interviewing with. He's uh, still a good friend to this day. And he was like, Hey, uh, just so you know, uh, we thought your skill set was better for our development opening. I'm like, well, it's a, it's funny you say that. That's the business I want to get into, and uh, so all the stars aligned at that moment, and uh, really the rest is history. You know, I've been fundraising and building relationships. Uh, gosh, a little over a decade now. So after American, you went to the Naval Academy. I did. Yep. My, uh, my wife's grandfather is a Naval Academy grad from the class of 57 and um, our brother-in-law as well. Her little sister married a Naval Academy grad from the class of 13. And so I had uh, had a couple avenues to meet people in that athletic department and, and her grandfather actually introduced me to uh, the guy who ended up being my boss. Um, we had met a few times because American and Navy are in the same league in the Patriot League. So Whenever I would go to Navy or he would come to American for games, we'd, uh, you know, meet up and, and just catch up on how things were going. Um, and he ended up creating position that he asked me to, to come and do. And uh, it was a step up from a size standpoint uh, and, again, getting me back around football. But it was also an opportunity to really start to get out and fundraise and, and start to, to raise a little bit larger gifts. Uh 
when I think of the Naval Academy, I think the mil- U.S. military, when I think of the military, I think federal government it is uh, fundraising uh, different at the Naval Academy because of that, or is it basically the same? It's definitely unique. I think the business of fundraising is very similar. Um, the cultures of all your institutions have their nuances, similarities, their differences. Um, you know, the the Naval Academy alumni population, they graduate about a thousand kids a year. So when I said there were 70,000 alumni between Baltimore and Fredericksburg for Virginia Tech, there were only, I think at the time, around that number for the Naval Academy as a whole. Um, so it is a much smaller group uh, to your point about, you know, government servants, you know, the, the folks who stay in for a career are very valuable assets for a lot of people in the DC area. So you have somebody that puts in, you know, 26, whatever it is, years in the military, their intel, their experience, their knowledge is very valuable for a lot of the government consulting companies. So they leave the service and they end up being very successful in business. And then on the flip side, the guys that do or girls that do the five years and and get out, they have an incredible short skill set that they in turn into a successful business career. Um, There were some really incredibly successful people that I that I worked with there. And, um, you know, moving to Virginia Tech, having the core cadets here at Virginia Tech and, and the focus on leadership and service. Uh, we're all things that I've been pretty conscious in surrounding myself in my career now. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, the thing about the Naval Academy and the Military Academy and the Air Force Academy is those kids are exceptionally talented in a lot of different ways, and, and most of them are wildly brilliant, too. And the thing that ties them together is they have this service-oriented mindset. And, uh, I mean, they, they just come into school as 18-, 19-year-old kids with just the world in front of them. Oh, and, I, I, and then they get to go I, to an outstanding institution like the Naval Academy. Yeah, I, I, even even when I was hanging out with midshipmen, I felt like I didn't belong in the room. Um, they're incredibly talented, incredibly smart. Um, and then obviously, like you said, the, the sacrifice they're all willing to make um, speaks for itself. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, I imagine uh, being an American, you couldn't, it couldn't be any more different going to the Naval Academy. I, I mean, I'm sure there were some similarities, but American is a fairly small liberal arts oriented place. And then you go to the Naval Academy, it's military, it's engin- a lot of engineers, lot, lots of uh, lots of rules where America was probably a little freer with the culture kind of thing. Um, you probably ended up experienced basically both ends of uh, continual. Oh, for sure. I, I would say all three institutions have a lot of key elements that um, have shaped me in my career and allowed me to be successful. And in specifically the niche I'm handling now, which is, you know, where I'm born and raised, as well as uh, where a lot of the population of alumni that I've dealt with over the last decade have lived and experienced and, uh, you know, dealing with engineers and, and federal contractors and uh, people in the service, um, all of them have touched all three of uh, the institutions that I've worked at. All right. So, look, I, I've been to Blacksburg a handful of times in my life. The, the campus is beautiful. Yes. Um, uh, the, the 16 blocks that the original town considers itself, I guess that was the original town. Uh, outside of those 16 blocks of the campus, what, what else is there to do besides play golf? <laughs> uh 
you know, COVID, I think, uh, allowed a lot of people to realize how amazing being tucked in between two mountain ranges is. Um, you know, 81, that 81 corridor, uh, the New River Valley, you know, you've got lakes, you've got rivers, you've got incredible hiking. Um, so being able to get outside and, and that's what uh, my wife and I and our kids do often is, you know, we're outside, we're doing things with the kids, running around hiking, we're going to breweries, we're going to, uh, to watch shows, uh, and, then, and then working in a college athletic department. You know, last night we got a sitter and we went to watch us dominate Louisville. Um, you know, those experiences are fun as well. You know, being in a college town, you want to do all the things that the university provides you opportunity to do. And so we go to baseball, we go to soccer, we go to football, we go to it all. And, and your wife is along for the ride every time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, she's she's definitely down to uh, to support the Hokies. Uh, her, her dad's a grad, two aunts, two uncles, three cousins have graduated from here. Um, so again, when I when I say she and I have spent a lot of time deciding where we want to be and, and what universities and institutions we want to support and, and spend time, this was definitely high on the list. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited that my son goes there. I know Rob feels the same way. It's a it's a great university, and I imagine you're having a great time there. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, the sense of community here is something that we didn't really get in Northern Virginia. Now, granted, when she and I were you know born and raised in Northern Virginia, it was a little bit smaller, um, but we were able to you know run next door and ring a doorbell and and have fun and. And we have that experience here now with our kids, you know, every day it feels like our doorbell is ringing and some kid in the neighborhood's coming to ask to play with our kids. And, uh, you know, that, that experience and that way to grow up with, Hey, I know that my kids are going to be in good hands with the people two doors down or, or all the way on the other side of the neighborhood. And, um, they're going to take good care of them. And, it, and it's that whole, it takes a village philosophy. Yeah. The, uh, a lot of the country has lost that for sure. Right where I grew up, I'm not sure that's true anymore. Yeah. All right. So you played college football. You did not go to Virginia Tech or to UVA. But what do you think UVA's problem is in football? (laughs) Like, I can't tell you how frustrating it is to be a UVA grad, to be a a proud UVA alum and and fan. And you get to that game, you're like, we're going to lose. We could be up 13 with three minutes to go, and I know we're going to lose. Uh, I think it becomes a, a, a mental thing, right? The mentality of, you know, when you've lost a certain amount of games in a row or whatever, it starts to, starts to get into your thoughts and your preparation and you change the way you do things and, and each play matters that much more because it has to matter that much more. Uh, and you forget that, you know, it's just a it's just a game where you got to snap and execute and the guy in front of you can't beat you to the ball. Uh, it's it's a simple game when you come when you break it down. Um, but when you allow the external things to impact it, I think that's what it dials down to. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's my assumption. Uh, I'm sure there are ways to measure anxiety. I don't know how you do that, but I, I imagine the last two minutes of each of those games, the last 20 years. UVA kids are pegging at a nine out of 10 on anxiety and the tech kids are pegging, not even pegging anything. They're like at a five or six. Yeah. Ah, 
I just wanted to get back to like over a 20 year span. It's 10 and 10. I just want that. I'm not looking for hey, 15 and 5. If you start that 20 year span in uh, 2019 or 2020, um, you're, you're on track. Right. I just have to wait till I'm 70. You're on the way. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Kevin. Kevin likes to ask a question towards the end. It's not the final question, but uh, Kevin enjoys asking. I enjoy hearing the answer from the guest because uh, it's a little different than uh, what we've been talking about. Let's hear it. All right, Matt. So here it is. You are a late night talk show host for one night tonight. You get to pick a male guest, a female guest, a musical act, and a comedian. And they can be dead or alive. They can be family, people you know. They can be anybody in history. Yep. Um, you could be going for ratings or just the Matt Goff experience, whatever you want to do. So so fortunately, uh, I asked Paul to send me the, uh, the podcast when he first asked me about this. So I've listened to quite a few episodes and was, and was ready for this question. Um, you, you may be the first one. I actually listened to Dwight Dix the other day. Uh, as I scanned through, I saw Dwight's name, and I was like, "All right, I got to listen to a Hokies podcast." And then uh, kept. Dwight scrolling. was awesome, by the way. We he, he was incredible. Yeah, it was a good podcast. And then, uh, ironically, when you talk about growing up in Northern Virginia and playing sports, wrestling, and football, you also interviewed uh, Nick Shed, who uh, he and I competed against each other with each other. His dad was my wrestling coach, so uh, it's funny that he was on here as well. Um, yeah, so my my male guest also checks the box for the musical side as well. Um, my wife knows this. The the guy that I envy a lot for his talents is Justin Timberlake. I would love to uh, to pick his brain uh, and then also see him perform. Um, I think he's an incredibly talented person, and uh, that would be a, a fun opportunity to to get to know him. Um, on the female side, you know, some of the greatest athletes of my generation would be fun to, to pick their brains, you know, Serena or Mia Hamm or, you know, some of these people that have done it on such a high level. Um, you know, you want to know what separates those people from everyone else. Um, and then comedian, um, you know, I, I love Kevin Hart. Uh, Cat Williams, um, uh, some of the newer guys too, uh, Sebastian Maniscalco, uh, they're all, I mean, hilarious. I, I spend a lot of, a lot of my nights in free time just laughing at some of these guys. Uh, and, and it's funny when Dwight was asked that question, what went through my head was exactly what he said. You know, I would love to see Eddie in his prime. Um, you know, some of the people that you would consider the, the stand-up comedian greats, you know, Bernie and, and those folks. Um, comedy is, uh, is something that I enjoy. Um, so it'd be fun to, to listen to all those folks. Yeah, you're the first person to say, and I think he's a fantastic comedian, you're the first person to say Cat Williams. Yeah, I just think yeah. he's hilarious. I, I think he's way off the wall. Uh, and probably if you, if you surveyed 10 people off the street, uh, nine of them would be repulsed by him um but i think it's hilarious uh so there's a little bit to unpack here 
I am a Justin Timberlake fan. I, I mean, he's obviously very talented. He, he's fantastic musically. He, he, he can sing in, in a mesmerizing way. He, he can dance, which a lot of guys can't dance very well. Uh, but he's also funny. And he's the kind of dude you're like, I can have a couple beers with this guy and have a good time. Like yeah, yeah, and in the crazy small world, uh, my wife's godfather uh, managed him from the time he was in Mickey Mouse Club. What? So I gotta, I'm, I'm gonna send this podcast to him as soon as, uh, as soon as it's out, and say, hey, listen, my dream is to meet that guy. So yeah, he needs to hook you up. Oh, let's make that uh, happen. Speak, speaking of uh, musicians, too, now that I have a four-year-old uh, daughter who's obsessed with uh, Encanto. I would love to uh, to also meet um, um, Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah, incredibly talented dude. I mean, to do Hamilton and then to have Vivo and and this, I mean, that's it's just impressive. Yeah, he's. Uh, I'm impressed by the fact that. Yeah, I was. I was just going to say real quick. I'm impressed by the fact with your female guest, you didn't just go for eye candy. You went through yeah. some substance, and then that's I have, uh, I have all the kind of what I'm looking for with uh, with my better half. So, right there, you go. <laughs> I mean, good answer. But we've had, we've had guests come over like, oh yeah, uh, Halle Berry all day. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> there there are some attractive females. My wife already knows the uh, the top two or three that I have on my list. You know the uh, um, Charlize and. Uh, um, Gosh, what's the other one? Don't let me get you in trouble now. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're not trying to get anybody in trouble. She already knows. <laughs> That's cool. All right, Matt. So, um, by the way, Kevin Hart, I think, was the funniest out of the people you mentioned, other than you throwing Eddie in at the end. Uh, I, Eddie yeah. was ridiculous back in the day. And he, he, he could still be funny if he was putting himself out there as much as he used to. Absolutely. All right, so – how do the next few years unfold for you? Do you think, how do you want them to unfold? I should say. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I want to continue getting better at, at my craft. Um, you know, at the end of the day, relationships are why I'm sitting here. They're why I'm going to continue to be successful. Um, and so I want to continue to, to just invest in others, uh, and hopefully that, that they decide to invest in me. Um, but I, I want to manage people. I want to have an impact on the next generation. And um, I want to be an athletic director. Now, what the future of this industry looks like, um, you know, that's the scary part, right? This whole name, image, and likeness stuff and the transfer portal. And, you know, I think gone are the days that I got into this business for, which were how can we make the student athlete experience the most impactful for these young kids? Um, but I think there's still a, a glimmer of hope to continue to do that. Matt, I'm, I'm glad you said uh, transfer portal and name it, image and likeness. Can we talk about those two separately for a minute? Uh, I, I should, I, I should know the answer to this, but when did the transfer portal start? Uh, I think officially in 18. Um, I don't know that for a hundred percent certainty, but it hasn't been for more than five years that I can, that I can honestly recall. Is it in place for every sport? Or is it just the, the big ticket sport? No, it's in, it's in place for every sport. And, and, 
you know, for every one bad story that you can read about or, or look up on social media, um, you probably have another 10 good stories. Um, I personally am on the fence on whether I love it or hate it. Um, but it is an opportunity for people to better their situation. And in most cases, uh, you're seeing people have better opportunities now, does that mean that the, you know, 1500 kids that are sitting there right now are going to get what they wanted when they left? Uh, or would they be stronger by overcoming adversity and competing for the starting job that they told they weren't going to get? You know, those are all stories that we can debate for multiple podcast episodes. Yeah. And, and look, when I'm old school, I, I remember, oh, you want to transfer? You're going to have to sit out a year. Yeah. I hope you're making the right decision and you better take it seriously. But the other point I've seen uh, to your point, 10 success stories out of every one that may not be a, a great story. Guys that left UVA's basketball program that went somewhere else in the country and ended up being like the best player for the team they went to. And they got a oh, lot yeah. of playing time and maybe they got some attention from the NBA that they wouldn't have otherwise. Basketball is probably not a great analogy since so few make it to the NBA. But for football, I, I'm sure there are plenty of stories where it, it works out because they were able to transfer right away. So few make it to the NFL as well. So it's uh, yeah. it's definitely you do see a lot of people come and hope for you know that dream and uh, realize that it's not as easy to grab as they thought. Yeah, uh, fair points. All right, so help me understand name, image, and likeness. How is it supposed to work, and then how is it actually playing out? <laughs> Isn't that the million dollar question? Um, yeah, so I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's an opportunity for kids to use their their brand, right? The social media era of you know, I have my own reach now, uh, my own platform. Um, people are seeing that as a revenue generator. So, hey, you have sixty thousand followers on Instagram. If you post to that sixty thousand. I will probably see a return on my investment. So I will give you X for the amount of posts that we've determined as contractual. Um, you know, in the news, you always hear extremes. Uh, I mean, that's why the news is the news. They, they tell you what you, what's click worthy and what you want to read. Um, you know, there's probably, a handful of six and seven figure deals that have happened in the NIL era. Um, most institutions like Virginia Tech probably don't have a single cash deal on campus that is more than a thousand bucks per kid. Um, and, and that's normal, right? It's just, this is all new. Everyone's trying to figure it out. You've got a lot of trade deals happening. Hey, if you post, I'll give you some product or some apparel or some protein shakes or whatever. Um, what I'm the most nervous about for the future is this whole Texas A&M and, and I think Jimbo came out and said, it's not true, but I think there is some truth to it. Um, you know, this whole pot of money and how can we use that pot of money to attract talent? And I think most institutions are now trying to figure out how can we create an LLC or a 501 C three that is a pot of money that isn't tied to anything other than our ability to retract and, and to attract and retain um, you know, the most talented kids in the country. I think, I think A&M's class this year that they signed obviously was the number one class in the country, but I also think it was the number one class ever from the, uh, 
the amount of five stars. Um, and that just doesn't happen by magic. No, it does not. Not to a place like A&M. I mean, they I'm do sorry. have a lot of money. They, they are one of the top athletic departments in the country from a budget standpoint. Um, but And they've done a lot. They have hired some incredible – their AD is great. Both of their 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 head basketball coach was here, um, Buzz Williams, and, and obviously Jimbo. I mean, they have – they're putting the right pieces in place. Um, but, yeah, to, to have the best class ever, there's got to be something else going on. Yeah, you, you you would think so. Like I, I, when I think of top ten programs, I'm I'm not putting A and M in the top ten, even though technically they, they might be given their play the last few years. But and not, I think from a brand perspective, they're not in my top ten. They beat Bama this year too, didn't they? Yeah, that's fair. That's that's very fair. Hey, there's an old Shaq Shaq and Nick Nolte movie called Blue Chips. Check oh, it out. Oh, <laughs> uh, that'll say that's all in you top need. Top ten in my book. Yeah, nice. <laughs> All right, uh, Matt. Let's end with tell us about your family. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's funny when you you hang out with other uh, young families in Blacksburg and they're talking about when they started dating their significant other, and and I can talk about meeting my wife when she was twelve. Um, you know, it's uh, it's been an incredible journey with her, and you know, we've got a my son Camden will be six. Uh, on the 10th of this month. And then my daughter, she'll, she's 18 months behind them. Kinsley, she's uh, she's a hoot, um, keeps keeps me honest. Definitely tests my patience on a daily, daily basis, but she's got an incredible heart. And uh, my son, athletic as can be, and uh, it's been fun. Um, excited to watch them grow and add a new one to the mix and see what that does. Uh, we're not going to find out the gender of that one. So it'll be a surprise and we're excited for that next chapter. I, I will tell you as a father of uh, one son and, and two daughters, I was convinced my third was going to be a boy and it was not, but I I'm, I'm ecstatic to have three healthy kids. Yeah. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, that's what we all hope and pray for. And uh, you figure the rest out. Yeah, no doubt. Very cool. Well, hey, Matt, I appreciate you joining us, man. It was uh, fun talking to you. Uh, please hang on uh, when I stop recording, but I, I really do appreciate you joining Absolutely. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.